Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Football Talk from the Yorkshire Post, where we'll be discussing some of the latest talking points from the world of football with members of our football writing team. On this week's episode, we're joined by football writer for the Yorkshire Post, Leon Wobshaw, to discuss all of the latest developments affecting our local clubs. Don't forget, you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging on to our website at yp.sport at nationalworld.com, as well as checking out our various Twitter feeds, the main one being at ypsport. If you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. If you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages or email us directly with the subject matter as footballtalkpodcast at yp.sport at nationalworld.com. Yorkshirepost.co.uk Right, so let's kick this week off by taking a look at the transfer window. Um, now that the dust has settled on a world or on a record-breaking transfer window, uh, let's have a look at who had the better transfer window. Um, who do you feel has conducted the best business uh, during this window, and who do you feel could or perhaps should have done better, Stuart? Um, well, I think I think one that one that leaps out uh, to me in terms of a good window is. Um, is Hull City. Um, they left some of their business uh, a bit late, which is far from ideal, but in fairness to them, uh, the way they started the season, they, they had that cushion that it wasn't uh, it wasn't sort of desperation signing. And it just seems a bit more s- sensible, a bit more focused than, than last summer's sort of scattergun approach. They just feel like a club that's Learned learned a few lessons last year and just on on stronger lines now. So I feel like I feel like they've had a good window. Um, I feel like I feel like Leeds made some good signings in the end. Um, they look. I think everyone would acknowledge that they're that they're short at left back. But I think I think by and large they've brought in a lot of players who you think yeah he he could do a he could do a really good job for them in the championship. Um, say they haven't had the benefit of the same sort of start that that Hull have had, so they've got a little bit of catching up to do, but nothing, nothing desperate. So uh, yeah, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think they've, uh, I think they've had a good one. Um, I think Rotherham have, have sort of, it feels much more like a Matt Taylor squad at the, uh, now. I think for for what they've done, uh, they've certainly invested a lot in terms of breaking the club record a couple of times. Um, it just remains to be seen. You know, there's quite a few unknown quantities in there. Uh, just, just how good some of the business is. But you know, certainly some people like uh, Ben Wiles. You know, we know well from his time at Rotherham. Uh, pretty confident he'll be, he'll be a good signing. Uh, Fred Onyedinma has started well there, so that's you know that's pretty promising as well. The fact you know, Christ T, we still play well for Wigan last season, so that's encouraging. And the fact that Taylor knows Salmon, uh, Sam Lumbay, you know, he's good as well, although he's he's stepping up a level. So they've got some big boots to fill with, you know, uh, with Ogbede in, in particular, um, in particular leaving. Um, but I feel like, I feel like hopefully they've, they've had a good one. Sheffield United sort of had two phases to the window, a phase where they seem to be adding just what they could scrape around on a budget and then a, a second phase in August where they added real quality and I think I think those players have been really good it's just a question whether they've been able to bring in enough of that quality on the budget they've got uh, and in terms of bad ones I mean I think at the start of the season certainly I, I was quite optimistic about Doncaster Rovers and all the signings they've they've made but 
obviously they've not started the campaign too well so you know perhaps um perhaps that judgment might need reviewing down the line and and Huddersfield Town I just feel haven't strengthened enough a squad that you know let's be honest only just scraped up last season and, and more worryingly uh, seem to really knocked off their manager Neil Warnock um with the way they've gone about things that that doesn't fill you with hope for the uh, for the for the rest of the season. So I'll be I'll be worried about that one. And uh, yeah, Sheffield Wednesday felt as though they brought in too few players who were ready for the championship. They kind of addressed it to a degree with Jeff Hendrick and uh, John Buckley on deadline day. Um, but again, you worry if they're a bit short when they're when they're stepping up a level. Yes, I'd add. Obviously, the big thing about. Underfield was the goals, wasn't it? I think the top top scorer in the in the league last season it was more like five or six, wasn't it? And he only came back to fitness in January, and um, you know he he was the joint top scorer by the end of the season. That sort of shows the sort of extent of the issues there. I mean, the goal goal scorers, whether it's the large load fees, well, outright purchases, they cost the dollars, don't they? And it's you know, I did, knowing the way that Neil Warnock sort of works, you, you sort of half expect him to pull a couple of rabbits out of the hat right at the end of, of the window in terms of bringing another striker in, but it, it wasn't to be. Yeah, they do look like in terms of goals, um, Huddersfield, I mean, obviously, um, Jordan Rhodes was moved on along with Dwayne Holmes. is going to be a fair bit on the, on the shoulders of... Um, Bernsard, who's coming from German football, the Dutch, the Dutch forward, encouragingly, he got a goal at, at West Brom just before the um, first international break, so that'll do his confidence good. But yeah, they do look uh, a little bit light. It's, yeah, I, I think in, in terms of the others, I, I actually think at the outset that Stuart mentioned Doncaster Rovers, it looked good business, didn't it? And I think it's just one of those, you know, at the start of the season, they just... They're just having to sort of grind things out a bit, a little bit. There's been a lot of injuries there. I'm still confident that the likes of Richard Wood and, and Joe Ironside, who are, who are proven operators in the lower divisions, will turn out to be to be uh, strong signings. Uh, I agree with what Stuart said about Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, uh, to me, I, I don't know what what he thinks, Stuart. But probably f- fair to say a few of them seem seem to be punts. It looks like a you know agents in the process of hawking around players throughout the summer. And it, it just looks to me that, not saying that the, some of them won't come off, but I would have liked them to be a bit, little bit more sort of pragmatic in terms of the, of the targets, realising where they've come from. For me, this season's always about consolidation at championship level. You know, I'm sort of infused a little bit by the signings at the end of the window in Buckley and and um, and Hendrick, I would just like a little bit more of that. That really, because you know, there's quite a few young players have signed, the likes of Basamba. Some of them will, hopefully, they will come off. But you know, it's always a gamble, isn't it? Really, as a newly promoted club. So um, yeah, we'll have to see with with, with those ones. Unfortunate with the RB, he got injured in his first game, and by all accounts, he looked a decent. Um, signing but uh, I would have just been a little bit more savvy and tried to bring in a few more players with um, championship nows for me yeah I mean for me that that's the thing that, that Leeds and Hull have done very well but of course the advantage those clubs have is 
frankly, they've got a lot more money to spend. So I, I guess if you're in Sheffield Wednesday's boat, you do have to take a few more risks. But perhaps I think both of us would have been a bit more comfortable if they took a, a few more risks on a few free agents who played a bit more English football. Um, you know, obviously they brought in they brought in Ashley Fletcher, but maybe a couple more signings like that. And and from my perspective, I don't know if Leon agrees with this or not, but just uh, use the existing players they had a bit more in early season to just buy these young lads adapting to a new league a bit more mm-hmm. time. Uh, it seems a bit strange the the attitude towards the likes of Marvin Johnson uh, and and Reece James. I mean, you you often see it with managers that they're a bit. Bit wary, excuse me, a bit wary of the players they've they've inherited, but I I just feel they they could have bought you know the likes of Masaba and and Gassama a bit more time, but but Leon certainly makes a very good point as well, and that they've not had much luck uh, with with Momo Diaby getting injured because I, I I saw his debut against Preston and he really did look like he was one of the you know gambles if you want to put it that way that 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 was going to come off. So so there's been. There's been some bad luck on it too, but it, it does it does as Leon says it just feels a, a bit scattergun. It might take a bit more time to come together, and you know time is of the essence when you're a when you're a new club coming up. You you don't uh, you don't want to give too many people a head start. No, no. Yeah, the one with I mean Stewart's right to touch upon Marvin Johnson there for the life of me. I I just can't see why. You know, he wasn't. He's not been used so far this season. Why he wasn't allowed to to move out? There was obviously Derby County were made moves to to bring him in. Very interested in signing him, and you know, at the very least, that would have freed up some room on on the budget, wasn't it? Really, and um, you're probably going to be faced with potentially an unhappy player there as well. So, um, I don't think Wednesday did themselves any any favours in in that regard. And um, yeah, I, I just think it was a little bit of a confused. Um, window at times with with elements of, of, of panic and um, yeah it's I suppose for Wednesday's sake the good thing is they can at least now uh, regroup a little and have some valuable time on, on the training ground away from the sort of non-match pressures if you like and try and form some sort of um, um, team structure and continuity going forward. Yeah and, and I suspect that panic was a factor as well Liam because I, I suspect if they'd had the whole day just to concentrate on moving on Marvin Johnson, they'd have been able to do it. But the fact that they're at the same time negotiating to bring, you know, three or four midfielders in, it seemed like, you know, they were spinning so many plates at the time. Yeah. That, that probably right. diverted attention, which could have could have got that Johnson deal over the line. And that's a that's a reminder to all clubs. I mean, sometimes it's just unavoidable because of the change you're in and the yeah. clubs you're you're dealing with. But the more business you can get done early, the more effective business you can get you can get done late on. And uh, next we turn our attention to Sheffield United, who picked up their first point in an entertaining display against fellow strugglers Everton. Um, the Blades fell behind within 14 minutes. Um, however, by the uh, by the time the interval came around, Sheffield United had been able to turn the match on its head, thanks to goals from Cameron Archer and a Jordan Pickford own goal. They had to settle for a point, however, after Everton scored an equaliser 10 minutes into the second half. Um, but they did come incredibly close right at the death uh, uh, to snatching all three points. Um, how do you think Paul Heckingbottom will be feeling after his side's uh, performance going into the international break, Leon? Yeah, I think he's got to be half, half full, Mark. Yeah, it, it had, we've spoken about it before, it had the makings of a, 
of a huge game. Psychologically, it would have been big. Whoever the victor was, you know, what did Sheffield United say? They had to settle with for, for a point, but one point is certainly better than, than nothing, isn't it? And it was a game where it, I think it, not so many people were surprised that it was a draw, but it was a really entertaining and absorbing game, and it, it showcased both sides in a positive, positive light going going forward. And you know, Paul Hegemon. I mean, I had a wish list ahead of the game and obviously top was to win it. But I think pretty close to, to the would have been Cam Archer, you know, getting off the getting off the mark, a big money move. As far as Sheffield United are concerned, eighteen million. You know, big moment for him psychologically. It was his first Premier League start. And not just for Sheffield United, but obviously from his time at Aston Villa. A big day in his in his career. Scored a great goal and um uh, the second was credited to obviously Jordan Pickford. It re- rebounded off the back of his head, but it was you know it was all about about Archer and you know for a striker his currency is goals and um, yeah you could see the elation on his on his face when he scored. I think mean, I think the bigger picture as well the the link with with Gus Hamer looked looked very encouraging at times. There was. Before he scored in the first half, he was sent clear. Just delayed a little bit, and um, James Tarkovsky made an excellent tackle. But I sort of, sort of sat there thinking to myself, you know, Sheffield United are going to have to hopefully see a lot more of this if they're going to achieve their aims this season. You know, obviously, hopefully with a better outcome from from Archer. But yeah, the the sort of axis with him and and Hamer looked promising, and um, I'd also throw into the. Frey Oli McBurney, there were some nice elements between the two of them up front. So, yeah, elements to infuse about for, for Paul Hagginbottom. Passes certainly half full. There were there was obviously um they obviously signed James McTeague. He was introduced to the crowd, he signed again for a spe- second spell. There were quite a few clubs um, in for him. So he's gonna come back into the into the equation after the international break. Um, Luke Thomas came on and had a decent cameo at left back. So as Stuart says, yeah, it's it's sort of come to, together a little bit in the second half of of the window after um well he he said it on Saturday Heckingbottom a, a bit of a nightmare at times in terms of what they were uh, what they came up against. They obviously lost two of the well the, the best player in the, in the day and um, another big hitter in in Sander Berg. I mean, the one worry for me is what what I would say is I, you know, John Egan came on with a little bit of an injury niggle, not necessarily because of that, but I, I do think they're a little bit, they might be a little bit short defensively in terms of options. For me, I, I think they may have been a little bit wiser trying to bring in another sort of Premier League savvy option in the in the middle of the. Um, Anel Amadodzic, I thought he struggled a little bit on on uh, Saturday. He was a little bit better when he was pushed inside, but got to remember with him, you know, outstanding player, one of the best players that is in his position in the championship last season. But it is a huge uh, step up into the um, into the Premier League. So being sort of hypercritical, if you like, I would have liked to see to have seen Sheffield United bring in another. Another bona fide option in there, but um, I suppose that's been a little bit greedy. And Paul Hagenbaum could only only do so much, really. But um, yeah, encouragement on the day at least.
Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think if you look historically at the teams who go down, you don't have many with strikers who who get into double figures uh, for the season. So if they've if they've uncovered one in Archer, and we, you know, Leon and I both spoke quite highly of him at Middlesbrough when he was on on loan yeah. last season. Both both thought it was a good signing at eighteen and a half million. Well, on the basis of one yeah. game, and it's only one game, um, it, it does look like he's a player with the with the temperament and the ability to to step up and score goals at that at that level. And as as Leon has pointed to, if you've got Hamer and McAtee as well, uh, you've got people actually providing the you know, quality service because it's all right having a good goal scorer. If you can't get in the ball, it doesn't really make much difference. But yeah, Leon, Leon's right as well. The the, the defensive side is is a, is a slight worry. It seems worry, like Sheffield United were so focused on on sorting out the front end and adding the quality that they they definitely needed. That you know, clearly the plan was to to try and bring Tommy Doyle back as a, a as a holding midfielder and sort of cope with the rest, but particularly not having. Not having Doyle, they they do look a little bit light there. But at least if you, at least if you've got goals in your team, you you're giving yourself a chance. And I think, I mean, who knows how the next few months are going to pan out for Sheffield United off the field. But I think I think the big thing for them should be to be to be aiming to be in contention when the next transfer window opens, and hoping yeah. that by then, you know, there's been a takeover, there's been some sort of resolution. That allows them to go out and add that that quality, experienced defender that that Leon's talking about, defender or holding midfielder or whatever, someone who can who can just shore things up uh, just that little bit more. But yeah, I, I went, you know, before that game kicked off, I think my attitude was that whoever didn't win that game, would, it would be a big missed opportunity for them. Obviously, neither of them did. But I think the way that Sheffield United played, I think you could at least take encouragement for from it and see that things. Things are progressing. Whether they'll whether they'll turn out to have progressed enough is another matter. But they are certainly heading in the right direction after a after a decent finish to the transfer window, basically since Sanderberg left. Yeah, it's going to be a mini league in in there, Stuart, isn't it? Probably six or seven yeah. seven clubs. You'd include obviously United and, and Everton in the in the likes of Luton and um, and Burnley and. As critical as those six pointers are, and, and then let, let's let's not forget Sheffield United very nearly won it if it wasn't for the brilliance yeah. of of Jordan Pickford. Pickford, don't lose them. You know, you, you just sort of look at look at that game and what a what a crushing blow it would have been if Everton would have managed to win. That United would have had two two months, um, sorry, two weeks, just sort of stewing on it really, and um, it, it would have set the narrative and. You know, there'd have been a, a bit of the, the doom and gloom surfaces among supporters. But now at least, you know, the talk was about, it was about Pickford's sake, but I think primarily among Unitedites, it was about, it was about Arch, it was about Gus Hamer, and to a lesser extent, Ollie McBurney. So there was, you know, at least there's a, a little bit of a, of a feel-good factor, if you like, to sort of germinate in the break. And obviously, United go again straight afterwards with a tough game. And it's been it's been a very strange start to the season in the sense that we're four games in for everyone bar Burnley and Luton, and of course Burnley and Luton are very significant in terms of the mini league that Sheffield United are in. But all of the all of those teams who've played four games have, have either had three at home or yeah. or three away, so it, it's really skewed things. And and from Sheffield United's perspective, that that's three home games down now, 
um, with 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 one point picked up, so that you know it will make these mini league games that 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 Leon is is talking about even more high pressure. And you're probably looking at, at November now until until the next time Sheffield United have one. So it's really important that even if they're not you know picking up the points they would would like to in the interim, that at least the cohesion is coming together, that they can really attack those. Uh, attack those games where, when they come around because I say there are signs that they're making the most of what they've got but of course we all know they haven't got very much uh, financially and unfortunately that is such a big factor in the Premier League it's why it's why people are worried about Luton it's why even Burnley have had a, had a difficult step up and, and ultimately it's what Sheffield United are battling against but it, we have seen uh, you know in the last few years not least when Sheffield United Last came up that you can you can get through that even if it's only for a for a season or two, but it will be very difficult. Yeah, yeah. I think a little just quickly a little little thing to say about them as well. Of there is this huge sort of worries sort of defensively in in terms of you know you'd have liked to, I'd have liked them to bring in another Premier League sort of centre half anyway, but they have sort of managed. With a fair deal of pressure, haven't they, in some of the games this season? You know, the, the Manchester yeah. City game, they were really under the cost. They had to be so disciplined and organised. And the only, I know they got beat, but they only sort of broke broke there right at the end, didn't they? And, um, you know, for spelling the Ever- Everton game as well, Everton started off pretty well. It looked a little bit ominous. They got an opener. Um, they sort of took that on the chin, United, and then obviously hit back and, and managed to get themselves a lead at, at, uh, at half time. Everton as well, to be fair, they certainly deserve something out of the game and they piled on a fair bit of pressure in the second half and, and you know, they managed to get one equaliser, but United held sort of semi-firm after that. So that was a little bit of an encouragement, um, a little bit of an encouragement for me. They're going to be under all manner of pressure in games this season. You know, in, in some games, it could, it could be basically be for... You know, 60, 70, 80 minutes possibly. So, you know, United haven't sort of capitulated, have And they've, they've sort of shown the right mentality, shall we say, which they're certainly going to need going forward in in the autumn and um, and the winter. And obviously, the Stuart was there for the for the City game. The crowd seemed to be sort of mature. They're not they're not expecting um, they won't be expecting the, the players to really take it to some of these top top teams. It's going to be more about sort of shape, resolve, discipline. And um, there has been some sort of positivity in that regard. And uh, we now turn to Leeds United, who welcomed Sheffield Wednesday uh, to Ellen Road and had to settle for a point in a nil-nil draw, which saw their Yorkshire rivals frustrate them as the Owls picked up their first point of the campaign. Um, That's not to say there weren't chances, as both teams had numerous opportunities to get uh, on the score sheet. Uh, with uh, with Jorginho Rutter forcing a crucial save from the Sheffield Wednesday goalkeeper. Um, wh- what did you make of the game and how useful could this international break be for both sides, Stuart? Well, I think I think it's got the potential, uh, the game, to have been a big step forward for Sheffield Wednesday. You know, First clean sheet of the season, first point of the season. They defended really well uh, as, as, as a unit and individually. And although, you know, largely it was a case of getting men behind the ball and defending. They were actually, in the second half, you know, the last half hour particularly, more dangerous on the counter-attack than Leeds United were. So they were still able to 
still able to throw a few punches. As we always say with these sort of things, now it's a case of what comes next. You know, if they lose the next couple of games 3-0, then that becomes irrelevant. If this is a starting point, it becomes big. But because of the things we were talking about with regards to Sheffield Wednesday's transfer window, those extra two weeks on the training ground, just constantly working to get that cohesion, to get that understanding is going to be really important. It's it, the only minor, and it is minor, frustration for, for them is that uh, Jeff Hendricks away on international duty, so he's not going to get the benefit of that time. But nevertheless, as a group, the majority of them will be back at Middlewood Road. They can get some serious work in, and hopefully we really see the benefits of that in the September matches. Um, I think I think for Leeds, it just highlighted the areas they've still got work to do. That's not a surprise. This is a revamp side a couple of weeks into the season. You're not going to get perfection. Um, you know, they've actually got more points at this stage of the season, Daniel Fark pointed out, than his Norwich team did uh, the season they won the, won the league with 94 points. So, you know, it's certainly not panic stations. But if you take the Ipswich game out of the equation... I think they've scored six goals in six games, two of which have been against lower league opposition in the cup. So they they clearly need to just work on their patterns and plans to just break down defences like the one Sheffield Wednesday uh, put in front of them uh, on the Saturday. Because you know the nature of the nature of Leeds United standing, the fact that they they were played in the Premier League last season, the fact that it's it worked for Sheffield Wednesday. More clubs are going to go to Ellen Road to play that way and frustrate them, and and they just they've just got to find the answers to it. You know, there were a few question marks about the use of Joel Perot. Daniel Fark sort of defended it, saying he didn't play him all the way up the field as a number nine because he felt he did his best work at Swansea arriving from late. Well, I don't think I don't think it, I don't think what he did he did on Saturday worked either. So they've just got to refine that and uh, and get it right but you look at it and you think there's there's the pieces there to find a solution he's a manager well capable of it um i think th- they'll get less of a benefit from the international break because they'll ha- have a few more of their key players away but nevertheless um hopefully that time and just you know the longer they spend together as a group they should they should sharpen up in in that respect. But uh, I say more, more than anything, it was an encouraging day for the away team. Yeah, I mean, you look at the the total from Leeds isn't earth-shattering in terms of, you know, what they've got, six points from five games. But I actually think, sort of quietly, he might, he might not say as much, that it'll be, I think Farker will be mildly sort of satisfied in the respect of everything he's had to contend with. I mean, it was all about the... The summer window was basically Leeds reacting to the uh, to, to the relegation release clauses, wasn't it? Really, and that was the narrative of it. And he's had to do that, and then try and formulate a squad and get players in. He's there, there was disruption. He's managed to he's managed to do that. He'll need the time, like at Sheffield Wednesday, to you know to to assimilate these new players. You know the, the Spencers, the Anthony's, and, and the Kamaras, and it will be in. You know, I'd say by mid-autumn you can really judge Leeds. I think Stuart's right to say that it will be it will become the norm for teams coming to Ellen Road. They're going to drop into a low block and they're going to say to Leeds, solve the puzzle. And um, see, they've not managed to, um, to do that against Wednesday. Still looking for the first 
home league win of the, of the season. So that's a, a little bit of a frustration. But I think given the and there was real disruption at Leeds over over the summer, lower mid table, while they would have hoped for obviously a, a bit better. It's not disastrous either. They're not they're not in the in the bottom three and you gotta remember they've come back and they've shown good character and resulted to you know, get results against the likes of West Brom and, and Cardiff as well. So, you know, as I said with Sheffield United, I think it's important to to see the glasses half full with Leeds United, and I think they'll grow into the season. Yeah, I remember when I said earlier about Sheffield United just just getting to the um, to the next transfer window in contention for Leeds, it was always going to be about just getting to this international break with you know morale intact and a you know a decent squad spirit, given all the all the difficulties they've been through. And as I said before. Parker brought up in his in his press conference that Norwich had four points after their first five games of that promotion season. So he knows. I mean, he's not he's not the sort of man to get to get carried away and get panicky anyway. But he can he can point to that example to his squad. You know, really, I've ranted about this before, but league tables are pretty irrelevant at this stage of the season. It's more just in Leeds' case, it was more about the the, the mood about the place. You know, the the, the fans. The fans not not getting too panicky, and they, you know they weren't in that Sheffield Wednesday game, frustrating as it was. You know the the squad spirit not being too destroyed by you know play unhappy players being around or, or all that sort of thing. And then it, and now for them really, and for frankly too many of our clubs, it's okay. Well, the season starts again in Leeds' case on September the seventeenth because they play Millwall on the Sunday on that weekend. That's really when a lot of these seasons get going. And and as Leon says, you know, it, it, we 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 really shouldn't uh, rush to judgment about Leeds until the until the middle of the autumn. I think that's a very fair comment. Yeah, I, I think seeing that spirit and organisation was obviously, you know, supporters you want to see flowing football and a and an ex, you know exciting fair and a and a, and a side showcasing the talents well. But I think in Leeds' case, it was just as important, if not more so, to just see that character. That yeah. resolve and that, and that spirit after after what happened in a you know pretty dreadful um, last season it was a, a, a pretty pitiful relegation as well and you know far you know Leeds fans want to see Leeds players wanting to wear wear the shirt and yeah the, the, and that the shirt doesn't hang heavy heavy on them Leeds have shown that it's not been scintillating it's shown that that spirit and that desire and that sort of camaraderie. And they had a really good day at, at Ipswich as well. You've got to remember that, and that's important as as anything really. Just just showing that grit and you know the, the decent comebacks against. All right, they didn't win, but you know against Cardiff and and West Brom, they've only lost one in five. All right, they haven't won, they haven't won three in five, but they've only lost um, one in five, one or two. You know, Ampadu looks like he's going to be a, a, a really good signing for Leeds. Archie Gray as well. He's constant, you know, he's he's going to be a top top player. Um, some individual pluses there, and um, yeah, it's it's sort of small but important in, incremental steps for Leeds at, at the minute. So I, I wouldn't be too down on them. And uh, next, we turn our attention to Hull City, who claimed a one 0 victory away at Leicester City, which brought the one hundred percent record for the hosts to an end, thanks to Liam Delap scoring the only goal in the fifteenth minute. Uh, this took the Tigers into the top six, which going into the international break is surely a positive for Liam Rossini and his side to draw from, wouldn't you say, Leon? 
Yeah, they're in a good place. I mean, it, it just it shows the sort of slings of arrows of of football. I, I did the Sheffield, uh, the whole versus Sheffield Wednesday game in mid-August, Hull's first home game of the season. And, you know, there was a bit of a down down mood going into that game. They'd just been beaten by uh, Doncaster Rovers in the cup in in the midweek and had lost out right at the death against Norwich. And there was a little bit of doom and, doom and gloom around. And it just goes to... Um, goes to show how, how things can, can change now. Obviously, 10 points from 12. And, um, you know, a real sort of statement win at, at Leicester, who would obviously ended their 100% record. And, um, yeah, Hull in a, Hull in a, in a pretty good place. Um, Liam, Liam is senior, he, um, Stuart will probably agree with me as well. He, you know, he speaks with, with intelligence and authority. You find yourself sort of nodding your head to the vast majority of, of stuff that he actually says and he won't be carried away. He's got a good, good defensive structure there that, that he implemented from, you know, in the second half of last season to get Hull away from trouble. And now it's, you know, it's more about sort of further up the field, isn't it? And you know, I think Dilap's been a, been a great signing. He's had a little bit to prove. He didn't have a, um, a great loan spell at, at uh, Stoke and, and Preston, but he's, he's obviously seen something that he likes about him. Uh, the senior is a, is a tireless worker and, you know, it's great for him to see a little bit of, um, of him getting the rewards at uh, Leicester and actually Alan Connolly a bit of a point to prove and I think the good thing for Hull is they've got you know made a splash right at the end of the of the window there's some you know quality players to add to the group you know group are inside who are, who are in good form and you know don't forget as well Tufan wasn't playing as well at uh, Leicester so there's Phil Jean who's who I saw a bit of it on loan at Cardiff last season and he looks a uh, an excellent player who can, you know, add something to any championship side. He's going to come into the mix. Tyler Morton as well. He's he did well at, at Blackburn. So Hull are in a good place. One or two others coming back from injury, and you know they've got two home games straight after the break, including one against Leeds. And the games that Hull will be really wanting to uh, uh, to attack. And I think this next sort of block of games until the next international break. We'll hopefully see Hull um, solidify the credentials that quite a few people mentioned. They could, you know, all being well, they could be in the mix for, for potentially being a, having a shot at the, the top six and we'll know a little bit more by, by October. Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, Hull are probably about the only team in the county who have been sort of ready for the season before this international break. You know, we, we we talked then about how, you know, there's no panic at Leeds because there's plenty of time to make it up and, and, and you know, it applies to to lots of other clubs as well. But it, it's nice when you're able to, to get out there and set, and set the pace. And if you're Hull City, you want games like, like Leicester, like Coventry, like Leeds. You want those big games at the moment because they're ready for them. And, you know, the, the, the sooner they get to play them and the, and the chance to take points off them, the better. And I, I'm just... I'm just impressed with the the way common sense has, has has come to this to this club. You know, it was all a bit fantasy football last season, as I touched on before with the transfer window. You've got a manager come in, you know, his first whatever it was six months, sort out the defence. This season, work on the attack, and they've you know they've scored nine goals in five championship games already. Leon's you know touched on 
on all the attacking players they've, they've got firing. It's been absolutely textbook stuff. Backed up, it's got to be said, by, by plenty of money. But, you know, uh, we've seen lots of teams, not least Hull last season, squander that. Uh, it's all about it's all about spending it well, and there just seems a really a really focused, sensible approach at Hull City right now, which is which is paying de- dividends. Um, and once you get, once you get once you make a certain start to the season, good or bad, there's a momentum there which you can either you can either carry you know carry on if it's positive. Or you've got to shut down as quickly as possible if it's negative, and hopefully Hill can Hill can just ride that and and you know get get into this into this season really in contention, and then the you know the positivity both in the stands and on the field uh, can hopefully take them places. Yeah. yeah, the system seems to sum, doesn't it? It's four two, mm. two three one. They're not overly blessed with sort of centre forward, sort of natural centre forward options. If you like, there's only really. Probably Connolly and Andy Lapp, really, isn't it? But you sort of look behind, and in terms of the sort of attacking midfield options, I think Huller has looked to me as well stocked as as anyone really. There's obviously you know like Philogene and Tufan and and uh, Scott Scott Twine, and yeah, they they looks um, it doesn't look you know lots and lots of goals right down the middle but they should have plenty of other players who were certainly capable of, of, of contributing you know getting the, the six seven eight goals a season that sort of thing and uh, yeah that's that's encouraging they've got a strong defensive base as, as Stuart's right to say um, there's still things to he won't be satisfied Liam Rossini is a is as well as a good talk he's, he's very ambitious and he's got high standards and I know in his reign so far they haven't won three little thing I suppose they haven't won three sort of um, league games on the trot that's something that all lasted I think it was January 2022 so if they're going to be a serious player they're going to have to pull together those sort of blocks of wins at the minute with the evidence so far has shown with well it's there's been a little bit of encouragement a couple of wins and they might have drawn and lost one and then they sort of start again but um they're aiming for a good sort of consistency, and I think it's a good, good challenge that will sit well on the shoulders. And, and I think it's the modern way, Liam. Liam. I think the, the days of of you have been able to have four really top quality number nines, or you know, like yeah. Neil Neil Warnock would happily accumulate five or six of them, and keeping them happy are just gone. You know, you 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 can't keep that quality of players on the fringe. So I think the key is to have a couple of really good ones, and then yeah. players like Tufan. Twine and people like that who can do it do a job there for a game or two if you need him because other, otherwise you know you look at Man City have only really got one out and yeah. out number nine but they've got Alvarez you know Tottenham for all that time had the problem with backing up Harry Kane but they had Son who could play out wide and then just fill in there that that I think that's kind of what you need and I, I think that's that's what that's what Hull have got really you know they're lucky to have. They're looking to have two two fan Connolly and uh, and Delap sort of juggling around. That that's that's quite a bit of strength by uh, you know modern modern Championship standards. So again, I just think it's I just think it's a manager who sort of understands the the era we're in and the and the needs of it and and has has, has done a good job of keeping a cool head in in a club that could have really been quite a a roller coaster club. You know because of the 
you know, the, yeah. the passion and the extravagance of the owner. You need that sort of settling figure, and 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 I think they've got that, and that's why I'm I'm confident that they can have a have a really good grow at it this season. And uh, now, even though we are still in the early days of the season, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on who could prove to be real promotion contenders this season. Um, When it comes to Yorkshire representation in the Championship, there's quite a few to pick from. And when uh, when looking in leagues leagues one and two, we have Barnsley who have started fairly well this season. And in League Two, we see Bradford City, Harrogate Town and Doncaster Rovers who have had fairly mixed starts to the season. Um, what, what are your thoughts and who do you see could uh, make a real challenge for promotion this season, Stuart? Well, I mean, we just talked about Hull. I think they can certainly be in the in the playoff picture because of all the things we've talked about. Leeds, you know, my confidence that they'll be in, a, in around it is, is, is based on the manager's experience and the, and, the, and the talent that's in the squad. I think, you know, you need... You need both together, and I think uh, I think he can get the best out of that squad in time. Uh, Middlesbrough, you know, you've you've kind of been waiting in the early weeks of the season, thinking, oh, surely they'll get it right now, or you know, it'll it'll happen in a minute. It'll happen in a minute. It hasn't happened yet, so we wait, we wait and see if they, you know, yet again end up leaving themselves too much to do or not. Um, but you know, Michael Carrick showed last season what a good manager. He can be when he when he gets things together. Um, I don't think uh, I don't think Huddersfield, Rotherham, or Sheffield Wednesday outside of their chairman were ever expecting to be in the promotion picture this season, and and I, and I don't think they will be. I think for all of them, it's just a case of consolidating and, and having another season. Barnsley's an interesting one. Obviously, that, that that great start dipped off for a couple of games, but. You know, as as usual, it's about not overreacting. A couple of back-to-back wins now, so hopefully, hopefully they can you know sort of get to the sort of levels they they hit last season. And then in League Two, I mean, it's such a competitive league this season. There's so much money sloshing about. You know, you've had teams come down from League One. We've got a lot of experience at uh, at lower league football. You've got, let's say teams who've come up with a lot of money. Teams who've stayed in the division throwing a lot of money about so it's going to be difficult as I said earlier I was quite optimistic that Doncaster will be in the picture now we're sort of reserving judgment a little bit on the on the signings although as Leo says there's some players there that you, you know you would bank on to to come good it's just a case of finding the right formula Bradford have thrown away a few points early, early doors while they're trying to settle in this new system haven't got any cut firing yet and now he's picked up a bit of an injury, so we wait to see if that's going to cost them or not. And Harrogate again, you know, with the, with the greatest of respect, with the resources they're working on, they're in that boat of, of consolidation again. They're they're not they're not a team who I think would expect to be talked about with regards to to even making making the playoffs. But I mean, Barnes is one of the interesting ones to. To, to me and Leon see the bit of them this season I haven't I'm interested to know what what you think Leon about uh, about their prospects yeah I think I think they made some uh, decent decent signings up, up top Stuart I'll be interested to see how Cosgrove fares because he's a, he's a big strong lad a traditional target man striker if you like and he'll give Barnsley that ability to mix it up and a bit more of a of a, of a plan, plan B to go direct and 
think he's a you know he's a good age, twenty twenty six. He's he's scored goals at this level at at Plymouth, and he's made a, a, a John John McTee as well. By all accounts, he's, he's only a few games in, but he's showed some some real promise. So that'll that'll add to what they've got up front in 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 Devante Cole, who's who's carried on from where he left off really last last season, and um, you know he's one of the one of the most informed operators in in the division, and um, I think it'll be crucial going forward that that Barnsley try and retain him because, from what I can gather, that there have been some some interest in him late in, in the window. So you know, with Cole, obviously Max Waters as well, and uh, Cosgrove and and Matee, they look they look fairly well catered for going forward. Everybody knows about the midfield. Um, one of the you know one of the the best in, in the division, you know, Adam Phillips, Herbie Kane, um, see Luca Connell to, to come back in as well at some point, hopefully. So they look they look um, fine there. The issue for me with Barnsley is the defence. I mean, they've lost three of the, they basically lost the back three from the playoff final, haven't they? With Liam Kitchen getting sold, the, the, the Barnsley chairman Nirav Prakash had said a few weeks ago that he wouldn't be sold, and it's so slow that he that he was the player did want want to leave. But he's a big, big hole to fill. Big, big character as well. Uh, Kitchen, he's gone. Matt Anderson's gone. So Bobby Thomas went back to where uh, Burnley's been sold to, to, to Coventry. I, I just, I, I think it's, I think the crux for Barzi could be how, how they sort of, how quickly they gel into a, into a con- consistent defensive unit over time. I think, I think the sort of autumn and, and winter will, will, will sort of find the answer to that question there has been some promise Jack Shepard's coming from non-league and and he's he's done really well by all accounts but I, I think the Barnsley situation for me just how it'll just be how much consistency they can get defensively in a, a pretty quick time and that'll that'll gauge for me how how Barnsley will do I, I agree with everything sort of Stuart said there I think all have the look of contenders for the playoffs they'll be encouraged by other teams in previous seasons, and why wouldn't there be the Coventries of this world and you know, Huddersfield a couple of years and years ago and Luton? So they uh, they look like they've got they don't look to me like they're going to have a twenty goal scorer at all, but they'll, they'll have plenty as as I've sort of mentioned earlier. You know, um, six, seven, eight, eight goals a season, maybe a little bit higher. So positivity there. I think Leeds will be will be up there, and I, I think as Stewart's also said. They get to January and they're in a threatening position. They'll they'll be able to recruit the the necessarily quality quality of player to kick on again in the in the second half of the of the season. Um, Bradford for me that's going to be about consistency. Mention mentioned about Hull under a senior not managing to win three on on the spin at um, on, under his reign so far. It's a little bit similar with with Mark Hughes and Bradford. They sort of have had spells with the win. You know, a few games and then they'll sort of slip slip points when you expect them to win. So getting that consistency and sharing the goals around, uh, obviously Andy Cook's out at the minute. If Bradford are going to sort of bridge that gap between playoffs and automatic contenders, that you know quite a few more are going to have to um, to chip in. And those are good signs already. Is that Alex Patterson is um, is is putting his hand up in that regard. 
And uh, finally for this week, we turn to Rotherham United and Huddersfield Town, who both recorded their first wins of the season. Rotherham United claimed theirs when they played out a 2-1 victory against a Norwich City side who, coming into this game, had a 100% record. And Huddersfield Town claimed their victory in a late 2-1 win over West Bromwich Albion. Um, how useful could this be for both um, Huddersfield and Rotherham, seeing as uh, after the international break, they go straight into a meeting with one another, Leon? Uh, yeah, I think um, I mentioned earlier about, about Daniel Farker probably quietly sort of not being too happy with the fact that they've, they've got six points out of the five games, but he, he won't be shouting it from the rooftops. I, I, I think possibly that might also be the case with with Matt Taylor, they look. They've only got um, they've only got four points, and it is pretty pretty modest. But you know they're off the mark, and there's been so much dis- disruption there at Rotherham. Uh, it's been they've obviously lost one of the one of the good players as well, relatively recently, in in Ben Wiles. But they've had a mini in- injury crisis at the start of the season. Some games have not been managing to fill the bench. There's been players there with with respect to you know young players who who aren't really ready for the for the championship level at the minute and you know they've been missing five or six players and hopefully they'll be um, they'll be all back in contention or uh, the vast majority for the game against um against Huddersfield I think what they've had to contend with rather than they've done they've done reasonably reasonably well I mean it looks a little bit when you look at the I, I think the two games against Stoke should be looked at in a little bit of, of isolation and in the league game, by all accounts, it was just a, a pretty much a bad forty-five minutes. Rotherham have been in; they've been in the games, apart from that. And um, obviously, the, the, he's been talking about that regularly. Matt Taylor, they backed it up with a performance and a result against um, against Norwich. So, I think there's there's positive signs for for Rotherham. They've got they have a couple of weeks to get Sam Nombe up to up to speed. He's going to be a a, a big player if Rotherham are going to achieve their their aims. I think he'll help Jordan Hupel as well. He'll take some of the the emphasis off him. Um, Christ TE as well. Obviously, was the the record signing before it was trumped by the arrival of of Nombe. Another one who's going to be a, a, a huge player for Rotherham. He's not been fully up to sort of match fitness and speed yet. This break will, will really help him. And um, yeah, there'll be some with the with the other players coming back as well, the, the Grant Hall, Georgie Kellys, the Hakim Dothans. There's going to be some good individual battles, uh, Touchwood, uh, you know, when Rotherham start again on, on the on the resumption. And so I, I think they've, relatively speaking, they've got a bit to look forward to. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's, only, there's only two goals difference between the two teams, but I think the significant thing for me is not... Not even so much looking at the at, at the squads, not looking at the results, but just the different moods of the two places. I think Matt Taylor has been very realistic from the day he walked into Rotherham United about where they stand in the pecking order. You know, he's basically patiently stood at the back of the queue to wait for other deals to sort themselves out before he, he was able to get the business done that he wanted to. But he, he knew that and he was reconciled to that. You know, and you compare that with Huddersfield Town where... We we mentioned the other week about Kevin Nagel's tweet at the you know the utter shambles of the defeat to Norwich City, who we know are you know a 
very good team at championship level. I've had a really good start under David Wagner. And then the follow-up of, of Neil Warnock's press conference where he talked about his frustration about missing transfer targets, about not realising that his contract renewals would come out of his budget. It just seems that Matt Taylor's had the transfer window he expected and has dealt with it. And Neil Warnock has been disappointed about his and has gone public with it. And I, and I just worry about the effect that might have on morale at, at, at Huddersfield Town. You know, whoever whoever's in the right, whoever's in the wrong, it set a mood there um, of, of negativity. Whereas, I say, with Rotherham, there's the kind of attitude we saw from them last season, the kind of attitude that we saw at clubs like Sheffield United of, look, we know what our lot is. We're not going to complain about it. We're just going to roll our sleeves up and get on, get on with it. So, I also feel, you know, a bit like Leon was alluding to there, that that Rotherham go into this game in slightly be- in better shape than Huddersfield, just because of the the headspace it feels like they're in as a, a as a collective. Uh, and, you know, we'll wait and see if that comes to pass. But I was just, I was just a bit alarmed by by those worn up comments on on the back of Nagel's tweet and they, I think they just said to me I don't know if Leon agrees you, you just mm. thought uh oh you know th- there's trouble yeah. ahead here this isn't going to end well and it it might end quite quickly it's similar to what actually happened at Middlesbrough isn't it so yeah in, in some regards with the, the early season tensions behind the scenes and that culminated in um, it was in one not second full season it culminated in his departure in um in sort of, I think it was November, wasn't it? End, end of October, start of November. You know, there was a bit of um, a, a bit of a growing mood behind. But I mean, also as well, I, I wasn't typical Neil Neil Warnock, given everything that had gone on in in that past week. That the the, the sort of turn up at, at West Brom and get a tremendous result. That just that's very that, true. Yeah, that that just was Neil Warnock all over, wasn't it? Sort of. Sort of backs to the wall, sort of defiance, sort of sticking two fingers up, if you like. But uh, yeah, I take I take your point, Stuart. I think there is, it, you know, it's clear as 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 day that Warnock certainly wanted you know, a, a, a bit more sort of going going forward, and the, and they do look if they do get an injury to. I mean, he's he's got a he has his critics does, uh, does Danny War, but if he does get injured, then Huddersfield Town will will really miss him you know they haven't really got um, many other players of, of that ilk to to do the job I mean they're going to be a, a fair bit of stock in, in Berzog who's, who's you know he's, he's a newcomer to, to championship football a bit on his shoulders and also you know um, uh, Ben Wiles and and uh, Jack Radoni in the, the need to um, it was good to see Radoni get his goal on, on Saturday and there's going to, I think there's going to be a heightened emphasis on the on the sort of attacking midfielders chipping in with goals, given the fact that Warnock hasn't got what he particularly wants um, up front. I mean, they are one to watch. He's got the lad Huddling who can who can come on, but he's a he's a he's a he's a young lad who's sort of going to be used sort of sparingly and as a and as a, as a substitute really. But uh, yeah, he's he's got the makings of a of a big game when Huddersfield play play Rodman and we'll probably maybe find out a little bit more about the pair after that. YorkshirePost.co.uk
Many thanks to Leon Wobshaw, who will doubtless join us again soon for more discussions on the Yorkshire football scene. But don't forget, you can keep up to date with all the football news across Yorkshire and beyond by logging on to our website at yp.sport.nationalworld.com or if you search for Yorkshire Post Sport, Yorkshire Post Football or even Sheffield Sport on Facebook, you can find us there as well. If you have any questions for our writers, you can get in touch using those various Twitter or Facebook pages or email us directly with the subject matter as footballtalkpodcast at yp.sport at nationalworld.com. As ever, many thanks for listening. Look after yourselves and bye for now.